I've got the great pleasure of introducing my wife to come and preach this morning. I've been, I've been, I've been listening and like hearing little bits and pieces as she's been preparing it. It's a little bit like, you know, when your spouse has their own TV shows that you're not included in, and every now and then you see scenes from those TV shows, and most of the time you think to yourself, why does she watch such garbage? <laughs> about like vampires, soap opera style things. But every now and then you see a show where you see some scenes and you think, oh, that looks, that looks interesting. Maybe I'd be interested to see that. While listening to little bits and pieces of this message, I think you're going to be really uh, blessed this morning to hear it. It's like big picture with small application for big impact. So that's, it's going to be good. So get yourselves ready. And why don't you just welcome Kirsty as she comes. Thank you. Why don't you give these guys a hand? You guys can take a seat. Fantastic. Hey, I want to play... Uh, yeah, you can be seated. Um, I want to play a, a little game with you this morning. Why don't we just take a look at the screen, if we can get the first slide up. Does anybody know what that might be? You all think you've got some ideas, maybe some kind of ball? Can we have a look? Yes, it is. It's a gridiron ball. Right, can we have a look at the next one? What's that? Oh, well, that was an easy one. <laughs> yes. Next, what's that? Yes, it is an elephant. Yes. <laughs> and the next one? Ooh, let's have a look. What's that? That is the strike pad on the matchbox. So... That was fun. Yeah, so, um, you know, we had trouble, apart from the eggplant, telling what those things were. I think that needed to be kind of zoomed in a bit more. But looking at the zoomed-in version of something, you know, it's hard to sort of tell what it is, right? Um, we can have some idea, but... And that's usually, like, because you might have seen something like it before. But um, we kind of... We need the context to see exactly what it is. So when we see the bigger picture, that gives us the context so we can see exactly what that thing was. So I want to share with you today about context, about the zoomed out version of God's plan and, and how it gives our zoomed in life some context. You know, we live in the, the high zoom, the, the details of life where random things happen, where we think things like, where am I going? What was I doing yesterday? What shall I eat for dinner tonight? Who can I talk to today? We wonder things like, where will I be in five years from now? What's the meaning of this person being in my life, good or bad? Uh, what's, what's the meaning of this job that I've got right now or this thing that's happening to me? And we wonder about how our lives fit into the bigger picture of what God's doing in the world, which we're going to call the greater good. To be completely honest with you, that term actually makes me a little bit uncomfortable um, because I've heard it used in harmful ways. It can be used to justify doing bad things for a supposed greater good. Some of you are probably thinking of Hot Fuzz. Anybody seen the movie Hot Fuzz? Uh, where it's this buddy cop parody film um, and they discover that the people of this town uh, are murdering anyone who gets in the way of the town winning um, the Town of the Year award. And they claim it's all for the greater good. Now, obviously, that's not the kind of greater good that I am talking about, so set your mind at ease. I chose this title because I want uh, I want to use the books of Ruth and Esther um, over the next few weeks to explore God's greater good. 
Romans 8.28, it, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and according to, are called according to His purpose for them. And I think that both Ruth and Esther, their stories, give us some insight into what that means. So we're going to start by delving into the book of Ruth. It's a, it's a short book. It's one of the shortest books in the Bible. Uh, it's only four chapters. takes about 10 to 15 minutes to read. So I want to encourage you. Uh, I'm not going to read it now because that will take up most of my time. But I encourage you to have a read for it yourself during the, during the week because it is only a short book. But I'm going to give you an overview of that story today and, and we can delve deeper into it and have a look at some verses from it. But basically, uh, Naomi... And her, her husband and her two sons, they move from Bethlehem in Judah, where there's a famine at the time, and they go to a place called Moab. While they're there, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. It's put just as bluntly as that in the book of Ruth. So, <laughs> Their two sons, they marry Moabite women, one of which is Ruth. Tragically, both of her sons die too, about 10 years later. So with her two daughters-in-law, Naomi decides to move back to Bethlehem because she's heard the famine is over as well. So on the way, she turns to the two girls and she says, go back home to Moab. You know, you could remarry. You you don't need to stay with little old me. So one of them, Orpah, she goes back home. But Ruth chooses to stay with Naomi. She says, don't ask me to leave you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. When they return to Bethlehem, Then they've got to find some food and Ruth ends up picking some grain in the field of a man named Boaz. He notices Ruth and he makes note of the loyalty that she's shown to Naomi. And he makes sure that she'll be kept safe in his field and that she can collect the grain. Naomi then finds out that Ruth met Boaz. And Naomi's Naomi's very happy because Boaz is a relative of Elimelech, her dead husband. And so he is their family redeemer. This was a cultural practice whereby if a woman is widowed, then another man in the family can marry her to take up their land and protect the family. So Naomi makes this plan and instructs Ruth to meet Boaz later and ask him to redeem their family. She does this and he says yes. He then finds out that there's another family redeemer who's a closer relative and offers him the opportunity to to take their land and to marry Ruth. But this guy is not that keen on marrying Ruth, so he declines and Boaz marries Ruth and they end up having a child and then the book ends with a short genealogy. So that's nice. That's a, that's a story in the Bible. But um, like, so what? I, I don't know if you've, if you've read it before or if you noticed in that that, well, I didn't really mention God very much and in the story, he's not mentioned very much. A few people mention him. You know, the characters make statements like, may the Lord bless you to other people. But there's no real, the narrator doesn't mention God. There's no mention of this is something that God did in this story. So what is this story all about? Well, just like the pictures that we looked at and just like our lives, we need some context. So the context of the story of Ruth, let's get some context. Remember how I said that the book ends with a genealogy? And I bet some of you here thought, maybe subconsciously you thought it, but you thought, oh, that's boring. They're the boring parts of the Bible, right? You know, the long list, so-and-so begets so-and-so, and and it just goes on and on. But that's actually a really important part of this book. It says that Ruth and Boaz had a son named Obed, and Obed had a son named Jesse. Hmm, I've heard of Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. 
Yes, that David, the one who killed Goliath, the one who later became king. So there was actually a greater plan at work through all of this. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the genealogy at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, but these same people are mentioned again. Boaz and Jesse and David and then a whole lot of other names until you get to Jesus. So when this book was written, they didn't even know that Jesus, mankind's redeemer, was going to come from this same line of people. But now we can look at it and see this, this context and see that God had a greater plan to work out through the small story of other people. So the genealogy is like the zoomed out, here's the whole picture of the, the ball, not just the zoomed in little dots on it. So it shows us that God had a plan. He had a plan for Naomi to go back home, for Ruth to go with her, for Ruth to go to Boaz's field, to marry him, to have a child that would then lead to the family of a future king and then lead to Jesus, the saviour of mankind. So within that story as well, it actually reflects God's greater good, his plan for redemption with Boaz acting as a redeemer for Naomi and Ruth's family. When they didn't know what was going to become of them and their land, they were redeemed, just as God had a plan to redeem us through Jesus. So this is a great reminder and life lesson because it's so easy for us to just see the small details, the tiny story of our lives and wonder what's the meaning of it all. Ruth and Naomi, they went through some tough times and then somehow it all worked out. But why? Because God had a greater good that he was working towards. In our own lives, we might not always see the full context. Just like Ruth wouldn't have known that her line led to the Messiah, she may not have even known that her grandson defeated a giant and later became king. She might not have been around anymore by the time that happened. But we have to trust in God that he's working all things together for good according to his purpose, the greater good. God's greater good is for mankind as a whole, for people to know his love and salvation and have him in their lives. I think Liz summed it up really well this morning in her communion message. This is why God sent Jesus as our saviour or redeemer to pay the, price for, for, uh, pay the price for and wipe away our sins, our failures, and, and then allow for a connection, a relationship with him. We can't know all the details of how that best outworks itself. We just know the tiny details of our part in it, the good and the seemingly bad at times. Sometimes our trial, our hard time that we're going through um, is all we see and we don't see that because of us going through that thing and then, and then overcoming it that we're then maybe able to reach out to someone else going through something similar and help them, maybe even connect them to Jesus. We don't see what we ate for dinner the other night as important but perhaps the conversation or just the people that you had that dinner with, maybe they got something out of it. Maybe you had a meaningful conversation and connected with people. The other morning I was getting breakfast ready for our family and every morning I unload the dishwasher from last night's dishes and make room for the new dirty dishes after breakfast and the rest of the day and I'd had a cold for a few days and was just like, I don't want to do this. Every morning I could unload the dishwasher I thought, I don't want to do that today. I don't want to. Someone else do it. But because uh, I was working on this message, I thought to myself, you know, 
these mundane things in life, these plans that we have to make sure that the house stays clean, that the dishwasher's unloaded, ready to put new dirty dishes in there, keep our house mostly clean and tidy. It's not looking that clean at the moment, actually. But, uh, but we do that. We have these things in place so that we can do that efficiently. We can enjoy our time together in the house as a family. You know, Brendan and I and James, we can connect and build a relationship with each other. We can have people over and they feel welcomed and, and comfortable in our house because there aren't dishes piled up everywhere. <laughs> you know, there's actually some bigger context, a bigger picture to these tiny little things in life. I thought if I can make there a, a bigger meaning for just unloading the dishwasher, then you know, we can see the context. When we see the context, we can have meaning in every little thing we do in life. And that's actually even pretty small thinking compared to how God sees it all. God sees all from beginning to end, and we have to trust him that he's working it all out for good. Earlier I, re- I mentioned Romans 8.28. Let's have a look at that verse again. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I think sometimes this verse can be used to promote the idea that, just, that God just works everything out the way we want. The idea that God loves us so much that he'll make um, his lives just the way, sorry, make our lives just the way we want doesn't actually compute for me because bad things ha- still happen, yes, but also because I know that God has a bigger plan than just whether or not I feel good and comfortable in my life. When we're loyal and submitted to his plans and his will, when those things become our plans, when his greater good coming to pass becomes the will in our heart, then they do work out. Then our plans do work out. When we're living in God's will, we know that he will work all things together for good. To do that, we need to trust in God's plan. Trust in the fact that he has one and that he knows how it will work out for the greater good. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So it comes down to trusting in God. So what I want to do is have a look in Ruth, and, for, and there's three things from the book of Ruth that, um, that we need to trust God in to help us recognize and be part of God's greater good. So number one is to trust God in our trial. So we go back to the beginning of Ruth. Remember, some pretty rough stuff happens. Um, Naomi's husband dies. Her kids die. There's a famine. She'd be feeling pretty down about life, to put it mildly. To trust God in our trial, first we have to recognize our trial, which I know seems obvious, but I think sometimes we go, la, 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 la. Everything's fine. I'm not struggling. You know, we think that sometimes it's the Christian thing to do to say, I'm okay. God's got it all under control, which is true. He does. But if we don't actually believe that, you know, sometimes we're just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to acknowledge it because we don't want to deal with stuff. Um, It's not actually helpful to just say that if we're not actually believing it. So think about it. What is your trial right now? Now, it may not be as tragic as Naomi's, but we all go through various trials in our life. Maybe it is something similar to to Naomi, maybe a death in the family, an illness, or maybe it's something as simple as somebody gossiping about you right now, or maybe you're struggling to make ends meet. You're, um, You're looking for a new job, or you've got some relationship issues with a friend or a partner. You know, for me right now, I can recognize a few things, and 
it's, it's more so lots of little things all at once. We're moving house soon. We need to find a new tenant for our apartment, which we're trying to do without an agent. I've got a preaching series to work on in the middle of that. Uh, I needed to have an important chat with my boss last week and everything feels like it's all happening at once and too fast and I'm totally out of control, which is not somewhere I like to be. In fact, probably most of my trials in life are to do with not being in control. <laughs> Even more reason to learn to trust in God. I've been through enough moments in my life like this, feeling out of control, not knowing exactly how things are going to work out, and then seeing God come through. I'm trusting God in the trial. Now, I don't want to downplay Naomi's trial by comparing that stuff to what she went through, but my point is that um, sometimes we don't have something as tragic as what Naomi's going through, but there are things that we're going through in life, and it's worth recognising them and acknowledging that they're there. And recognizing that God is still at work in whatever it is. James 1, verse 2 to 3, says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Ah, yes, the verse we love to hate. <laughs> for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a t chance to grow. When we see the trial, we can zoom out and see the joy and the endurance that is being built in us through what's going on. You know, the other thing that uh, Naomi did when these troubles came her way was to go home. Naomi was practically alone, so she went back home, back to her people who were actually really excited to have her come back. She had a family of people around her. She had Ruth come with her. Um, you know, we need to get people alongside you. And side note, you need to get alongside other people in trials and help them. She made the right choice by going home, trying to send her daughters-in-law away from her, maybe not as wise, but Ruth saw that and she chose to stay with her. She chose to be loyal to her and, 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 and pledged to be wherever she was. We here are, at, this is our church home. This is our family. We're here to share with each other in trials and joys and help each other through whatever it is we're going through. So go home. Which seems silly to say while we're here because what I actually mean is you are home. So when you're out there and troubles come your way, go home. Get amongst your people, us. When we're around people who love and care and are family, they can help us. Have people come alongside of you. Take, take Ruth with you. Or be like Ruth and get alongside other people. You know, when, it, when you start thinking about others, it becomes less about you. And God's greater good is for others. God's greater good is for community. God's greater good is for redemption. Naomi's tragedy actually led to Ruth becoming a believer in the one true God. She said, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's what happens when we trust God in our trials. Number two is trust God, sorry, trust in God's silent work. Ruth 2, verse two to three, says, one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather, the gra gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. As it happened. You know, that's God's hand at work in this story. It may not say God did this, but that's, that's God's working things together. 
Naomi was sitting around. She changed, she, when she came back, she said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. You know, she was, she was, she'd got a bit down. But Ruth was like, all right, let's do something. I'm going to go out and, and collect some grain. I'm going to get to work. And when we step out, instead of wallowing in our sorrows, instead of being bitter, but trusting in God that he's at work, even when we can't see that he is, that's when things start to, gather, start to work together for good. God made sure that it just so happened that it was Boaz, the family redeemer's field, that Ruth ended up in. And she made sure, she, God, (laughs) he (laughs) made sure um, that Boaz had heard about Ruth's loyalty to Naomi so that he would show her favour. When we trust that God is silently working, we get on with silently working ourselves on whatever. The small details of things like collecting the grain, having dinner with friends, unloading the dishwasher. And we trust that God will bring some, as it happened, moments into our lives. You know, I mentioned earlier that we're moving house and it's been on the cards for a while, but we were in, we were in no rush. But recently it just so happened that friends of ours were moving into state and their house that they owned needed to be rented out. This house was in the area that we wanted to move to and it was basically our benchmark before that of houses that we were looking to find to rent. So long story short, we're moving into their house. <laughs> this is God's silent work, it has to be. You know, when you trust in God's silent work as well, you recognise those as it so happens. <laughs> and, you know, this isn't uh, just about our plan to have a bigger house, to get a good price for it through friends so that we can save uh, a bit more money and be able to sell our apartment soon and buy another home in a few years. No, I believe God has even bigger plans at work here. Things that we don't even know about yet. Which brings me to number three. Trust in the plan. Ruth verse, uh, sorry, Ruth 3 verse 2 to 6 says, Boaz is a close, sorry, Boaz is a close, no, start again. (laughs) Boaz is a close relative of ours. So this is Naomi talking to Ruth. And he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Naomi laid out a plan and gave Ruth instructions. And Ruth did just as Naomi asked. It sounds like weird instructions. (laughs) And sometimes our leaders or God may lay out a plan, of some instructions of things to do, and we might not really know where that leads. But we need to trust in that. Trust that... Maybe our leaders see something that we don't see. Know that God sees something that we don't see. That they've recognised God's silent work in something. Like Naomi recognised the opportunity for Ruth to marry Boaz. Ruth didn't know who Boaz was when she met him. That he could redeem their family. Naomi did. Sometimes other people know things that we can't know. And can lead us to places that we didn't know about. God always knows things that we don't know and can lead us to places we don't know about. God's got a plan and it's a good plan for the greater good of his glory and people in relationship with each other and with him. He had a plan to redeem Ruth and Naomi. God had a plan for Israel to have a king. 
God had a plan to redeem mankind through Jesus. God had a plan for you to come and be redeemed because of that. God has a plan to redeem your neighbour, your friend, your family member. And whether or not you unload your dishwasher every day, what you choose to eat for dinner, which job you take, which field you go and collect grain in, it's all part of that plan. So what we need to do, basically to paraphrase um, Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 that I read earlier, we need to trust in God and His plan and not rely on only what we what small mundane details we see in our lives. We need to seek his will, make his greater good of redemption for all people our plan, and he will show you through life events, through others, which way to go. Trust in him. Trust him in your trial. Trust that he is working silently in the background. Trust in his plan. Trust in his greater good. Before we finish today, I want to extend an invitation to you. If if you're here and you don't know God, you're not in a relationship with Him. You don't know Jesus as your Redeemer. I wanna just ask you all to close your eyes right now so that we're not distracted by what's going on around us. Maybe you just need a moment to search your heart and decide that today you wanna make that decision to be part of God's plan. If you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus and ask Him into your heart before, maybe you've done it before, maybe some time ago, but you know you've walked away, that you haven't been in a relationship with God, then I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment. I'm gonna, I will ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge that that's you and so that I can see if there's anyone here that wants to connect with God this morning and then we'll pray together. We'll pray together as a church, pray a prayer asking Jesus into your heart. And if you're going to pray that for the first time today or make a recommitment, then we want to be able to support you in that decision and someone will come and speak to you afterwards and help you begin that journey. So if that is something you want to do today, then I invite you right now just to raise your hand. Well, no one's looking around. It's just for me to know if there's anyone out there so we can pray together. Okay, fantastic. Can we keep our eyes closed a little bit longer? Because I want us all to just take a moment to think. What's an area in your life this week in which you can trust God more? Are you going through a trial and you need to trust that it's part of a greater good? Do you need to get around your people and be there for each other? Do you need to trust in God's silent work that maybe right now you can't see how He's going to work everything together for good, but you need to trust that He will so that you can begin to recognise their moments, where, those moments where things just so happen to work out. Do you need to trust in the plan? Are there plans set before you for you to action? You just need to trust God that He knows why you are to do those things. Trust that He knows the greater good to come out of it. Maybe it's all three. Maybe it's just as simple as trusting and knowing that God has a greater good to work around us and that there is a purpose to our mundane parts of life. There is a greater good at work and you wanna be part of it. Whatever it is, I just wanna pray right now. Lord, we thank you for what you've revealed to us through the book of Ruth, that we may go through trials or seemingly mundane details of life, but that you are actually working behind the scenes for your greater good. Help us to trust you through our trials. Trust that you are working even when you seem silent. 
and trust in your plan. Amen.